Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Our guests include members of the media, former players, coaches, sports executives, and even fans who will share their favorite bowl season stories with you. Today, we are joined by host of ESPN's Countdown to College Game Day, Christine Williamson, former Ohio State Buckeye and five-time Super Bowl champion, Pepper Johnson, and Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Executive Director, Bernie Olivas. All of today's guests are brought to you by Logitech's Smarter Solutions for Better Results. And also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, I, I think we're starting to feel like a broken record, but every week we say what a great weekend of college football and this past weekend might've topped them all. Isn't that what's so great about college football is just any given Saturday, you don't know what to expect. Last Saturday was just a, a crazy Saturday. I can't wait to get into it with um, our first guest, Christine Williamson, the co-host of Countdown to College Game Day. Of course, they talk nothing but college football at 8.30 Eastern as we're getting ready for another big day of a college football on Saturday. Christine, thank you so much for joining us. Love to hear uh, what you thought about last week and rolling into the next one. Yeah, um, I think going into this season, one of the things that I was, thank you guys for having us, but for having me, by the way, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I think going into this college football season, we knew it was going to be very different. I feel like week one kind of showed us that in that you know, we got to see a lot of teams that we thought were going to be really good and that weren't as good as we thought they were. I personally am um, a University of Miami alum and a Clemson alum. So I was on the sideline for Georgia Clemson and I was absolutely devastated uh, when Georgia completely rocked them. So I feel like um, since week one, we kind of have seen a lot of things happen that I don't think we expected to happen. And it's made this college football season a lot different and a lot more exciting because now Alabama has taken a loss and you know, we get to see, obviously we have Georgia, Kentucky this weekend, and people keep saying that Kentucky might upset Georgia. So I don't personally think that, but you know, there's a lot of things happening in college football that are unprecedented, just like the year was. So we'll certainly see what happens. Yeah, certainly never a dull moment in college football. There were so many great games this past weekend. It's hard to pick the best one. I think at a normal weekend, we'd be talking about Michigan, Nebraska. That was a great game. Mm -hmm. We might, uh, we'd be talking about Wake Forest beating Syracuse in overtime to go six and oh, first right. place in the ACC, but three games in particular for me, anyways, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa, Penn wow. state, Texas, A&M, Alabama, such great games. Which, which one of those was your favorite or can you, can you even pick one? So I was actually at Oklahoma, Texas until halftime. And I was so mad that I left at halftime, but it was extremely, I'm for, I lived in Dallas for three years. It was extremely hot on that sideline. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go, but that game never disappoints. So I should have known, especially after what happened last season when it went to four overtimes, like I should have known this was going to be a great game. I was actually excited that Oklahoma won because every week we put, we pick um, upsets and my option, I was this close for, um, from picking Texas over Oklahoma. And when I saw that Texas was winning, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the game that I should have picked. So I was actually very excited that they did not win just because then I would have been mad that I didn't pick Texas. Um, but I think that was definitely one of my, my favorite games from last week. And I also covered the big 12 for a while. So, um, watching that game and just knowing the history of that game, it, it, that was probably my favorite from last weekend. Well, it'll probably come as no surprise to you here at bowl season. We track 
bowl eligibility teams getting their sixth win is a big deal. We love the playoff. It's great for college football, but for the majority of college football, just getting that sixth win, getting to a bowl game is such a cool experience. Last week, 10 teams got their sixth win and punched their ticket uh, beginning with coastal Carolina last Thursday, they're ranked 15th in the country, 10 more teams with five wins are playing this weekend and looking to do the same. And, of course, Cincinnati's uh, up to fourth in the country. Many think this is finally the year a team from the group of five will be selected for the four-team college football playoff. What, what do you think this about this year's Cincinnati team? Can they do it? So here's my thing. I believe that Heather Dinich is the goddess when it comes to knowing things about the CFP and people getting into the CFP and stuff like that. And every single time she's asked about Cincinnati, she says she does not think it's the year for a group of five team to make it into the college football playoff. I will say though, even though I do, I'm not an insider like she does. I don't, I don't talk to uh, the people on the committee every single day like she does. I do think that just because you know, we're talking about how unprecedented this college football season has been. I think this is the year to at least allow a group of five team to go into the college football playoff. Like it makes perfect sense. Um, and so I feel like if Cincinnati is able to keep it up, um, that they should definitely be in the CFP. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think if nothing else, you know, the, the, the playoff so far has been dominated by the same teams. I think people are excited to see a team like Cincinnati challenge for the spot, even Georgia, who's a traditional program, just a new number one, Iowa being up as, as, as high as they do. You know, what, who are some of the other teams you have your eye on? Okay. So I think it's really funny. I just speaking about Cincinnati, I, like I said, I'm a Clemson alum. Um, and it's so funny after Alabama took that loss last weekend, everybody was saying, everybody's trying to figure out how to get Cincinnati out of the top four and Alabama back into the CFB. Um, and so, like you said, the powerhouses in college football have always dominated the, the CFP. Um, and so I personally feel like the CFP should expand, but that's another conversation. Um, I feel like it, I'm also very biased when it comes to college football, and I wish that the Big 12 was a lot stronger so that I could make an argument for Oklahoma to be in the CFP, but the last thing that I want to see is more than two teams from the SEC in the CFP, and so that's kind of where I'm leaning. I would love Clemson. Obviously, Clemson has not been playing that well. Um, DJ Uangalale is not doing what we thought that he would do this season, um, but I just feel like it has to be the SEC cannot dominate the CFP. So honestly, the only thing I care about is just having some diversity at the top and not just being SEC powerhouses, especially when you think about, even if you make the argument for Oklahoma, the fact that Oklahoma and Texas will be in, in the SEC very soon. So um, I would like to see some other team, especially since this year has been so unprecedented in the top at the end of the season. <laughs> Well, Christine, we could talk all day. Uh, people can listen to you uh, very, a lot easier than they can listen to me, thankfully, uh, on ESPN. So, so everybody, please do. Christine, thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck to you. No problem. Thank you guys so much for having me. We are going to take a very short break. We'll be right back with former Ohio State Buckeye Pepper Johnson. Stay with us. The first goal of every college football team at the beginning of the season is to win six games and qualify for a bowl game. They've punched their ticket and now are officially bowl bound. We're very excited to announce a new tradition with official bowl season gear given out in the locker room moments after winning that sixth game. T-shirts that celebrate the achievement. Fans can join the celebration by going online to bowlseason.com where they can order their own bowl bound t-shirt. Bowl season is a celebration of college football. So celebrate with your team when they become bowl eligible. 
So happy to welcome Pepper Johnson as our next guest. Pepper is a five-time Super Bowl champion, two as a player with the Giants, three as a coach with the New England Patriots. And today we're going to talk with him about his days as an All-American linebacker from Ohio State. Pepper, welcome to the show. Welcome. Glad, glad to be here. Glad Pep, to be good here. to see you, buddy. Thanks for joining. Same, same boss. <laughs> I love the old faces. <laughs> Pep, you and I have been friends for, I was thinking about it last night, over 20 years now. Uh, it was 2001 wow. when we met, right? We were just starting to work for the Patriots. You just wrapped up a unbelievable 13 year, uh, playing career, two Super Bowl champions as a player with the giants. But before that you were at Ohio state, uh, 1982 to 85, you went to four bowl games. You won three of them. You got to go to places like, uh, the holiday bowl in San Diego, the Fiesta bowl in Arizona, Rose bowl in Southern Cal, the citrus bowl in Orlando. You picked the right ones, but tell us about your bowl game experiences and memories you have from them with your teammates. Well, um, that first one was the greatest. <laughs> I have to say that Being the holiday the bowl, one, the holiday bowl. Yes. Um, we were, I mean, believe it or not, Ohio state university going to play Brigham young and we were the underdogs because Brigham Young owned that bowl. The bowl was brand new at the at the given time, and they have blown people out. And it just wasn't uh, wasn't normal for Ohio State to just be uh, the underdogs and, and favorites. Well, I mean, just someone else being favorites. And going there, and our experience um, off the field just. Um, magnified the whole situation even more we it was a lot it was we was kind of like in a uh like back in the you know coach bruce i'm quite sure he had a lot to do with it but we were away from a lot of stuff but T mexico was right there tijuana was right there so guys was contemplating okay we had a little time off can we walk over uh to tijuana and go to mexico and being a freshman that was a that was a tough bidding, but everybody else was going over there. So guess what? Yours truly went to Tijuana and experienced Tijuana. And um it, it was a it was a it was a great experience. We as soon as we walked and got, got into town, we had a guy standing outside. He was trying to, you know, chalk up business. And he said to us, Hey, hey, black amigos, uh, come over here so we can rip you off. And we was like, Wait a minute, man. That's not what you're supposed to be saying to people. But what did we do? We went in there so he, so he could rip us off. But no, we we went in, took a peek. It was kind of dark and all that mess, and so uh, we got out of there. Now your your final bowl game uh, was the '85 Citrus Bowl. Um, your teammate Chris Carter that game had this one-handed catch that your your quarterback swears he was trying to throw the ball away. Uh, yeah. but, 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 he, but he caught the ball anyways. And, and he thinks it was the greatest catch in the history of college football. Do you remember that play? What, what, yes. what were you guys thinking? And he, and he actually, you know, if you're how he was positioned, he really should have snagged it with his right hand because the sideline was over here, but he actually reached over with his left. And if you ever seen Chris Carter, he got some big mitts. I got some pretty big hands, but he got some big mitts for his size. And, um, he palmed it, pulled it in, and he tapped both feet in bounds. You know, and, and you know, in college, he didn't he didn't have to do that. But yeah, Chris uh, Chris Carter, and I still I still tell people today when I on my Chris Carter stories that 
I think he would have been a better, well, matter of fact, I know he would have been a better basketball player than he was a football player. And the cat is a Hall of Famer. So um, he would have, I, I think he would have made the Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, I know he would have made the Hall of Fame in the NBA also. He, the guy is an incredible athlete. So you touched on this a little bit in your first, first question. Let's talk a little bit more about the bowl game experience in general. What a lot of, a lot of fans turn the TV on for three hours in December. They watch the game. They don't realize that you guys get to town five or six days early. You're, you're, it's a reward for a successful season. You're with your teammates. Like Pull back the curtain for us a little bit. Was there any personal stories you remember of, of, of things you did with your teammates that to this day you say, wow, that was pretty cool? Yeah, like, well, I was, like I was saying about the Tijuana there, that's an ex experience for me. Um, taking that that, uh, that third bowl trip, um, that was um, the only ugly one. When we go out to uh, California, we go out to Pasadena, and um, really things didn't work out the way that we, <laughs> we planned, and it, our only loss. Um, the we were we were away from everything uh coach bruce kept us um you know like solitary confinement you know he kept us in the in the hotel and for us to do interviews we had to take a helicopter to go into la really to uh, um to, to see anything because of all the traffic it, it would have caused so Getting on the helicopter, it was my first, first time ever being on a helicopter, being in a helicopter. Um, and the the, uh, the pilot actually told us that he was gonna, you know, um, go around this, the, the stadium during the game. And we asked him, you know, could he take a couple of inches? My, you know, my roommate was called uh, Keith Byers. And uh, Keith is, matter of fact, Keith did all the talking. I was too busy, you know, at all of the of the view. And he he, he took us over to Rose Bowl and and um, on our way to the interview and then on our way back, um, he actually told us that he would take some pictures and and try to get them to us. And I still, my mother has it in her house now in our library. But it, it was a that was a beautiful time. That was a beautiful experience for us. And the hotel that we actually stayed in, if you, I don't know if you're a movie buff or whatever, um, uh, uh, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, the, the, when he did the triple lending um, dive and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like that. I think it was back to school. I think. That yeah. Back to school. <laughs> yes. He, that, that we stayed in that hotel where he did the triple lending. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Pep, last question for you. I know you, you have to go. You're the head coach now at IMG Academy. You're coaching some of the most elite uh, level high school talent in the country. Uh, what are some of the lessons you learned as a player, as an NFL coach, that you're now able to pass down to them and, and help them prepare for the next step in their lives? What I, um, and we have a few coaches that actually reach the NFL level, which is awesome for the kids. And, and I told them, I told a lot, I tell them all the time that, um, you guys are, you guys are going to look back at this maybe 10 years from now and wish you got more information from us or, you know, um, paid more attention and, and asked more questions. So try to get in as much as possible, um, on why you can, but I, I, I try to share with them that I've been there. We sat in that seat, um, not at, at the same capacity of where they are. But we sat in, I sat in that seat 
and trying to get the guys to tell you what college uh, coaches and scouts are looking for. And on that, I never coached in college, but I coached in the NFL and what we look for in the NFL. And one of the main reasons why I'm coaching in high school now is because of there were so many guys that have gotten to me that I'm like, why didn't you learn that in, in high school? You know, why didn't you learn this in college? How do you not know how to watch film or, you know, um, how to, to break down an opponent or whatever like that? And you're in the NFL. And, and some of the guys want to know that knowledge. Um, and some of the guys didn't even have the slightest idea. They just play football. If they roll a football out there, they just play football <laughs> and kind of good at it. But um, so we try, we try our best to, to um, for presentation for the guys to have the pre presentation to, to talk to scouts, um, the whole recruiting part of it, what people are looking for, and when they leave IMG, we just want those those colleges to say that these guys are different beasts, that they are different athletes, they they are already prepared for uh, the next level. Pep, we've been doing this show every week for a couple months now. They've all been fun, but it's especially fun for me when I uh, get to spend time uh, with a friend like you on the show. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're the best. Can I can I bust your chops at the end right Oh, quick? boy, do I have a choice? Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, Angela, can I do this, please? <laughs> he actually asked me to do this interview like I was going to say no. Like, Pep, um, can you... <laughs> Dude, I was like, man, what are you talking about? I'm jumping through hoops or whatever for you. So I can't believe this. We played basketball in the garden together, and you know. Oh, I'd love to hear what kind of basketball player Nick is. We'll have to have a conversation. No, I got to follow up with the, with the, with the, what the story played basketball. So we used to play, and we, we were both past our prime. I was never a professional athlete, but I always had to be the guy guarding Pepper because I guess I was the next biggest guy. So I'm still – God only knows how many pounds less than pepper I weigh. <laughs> and we're playing and something came over me. He's driving to the hoop and he has unbelievable feet in coordination for a guy his size. He's driving to the hoop and I slide in and I take a charge. I don't know if you remember this, Pep. You catch me square in the chest. I go back and he leads that. goes, Nick, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were bluffing. As, <laughs> if, as if who would possibly be dumb enough to take a charge from me? <laughs> Fortunately, I Fortunately, I, I didn't get too badly injured, but uh, <laughs> Pep, uh, th thanks again for coming on. This is what friends Thank are you for. for I appreciate Thank it. You for All, right. Me out here. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break and be right back with the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Executive Director, Bernie Olivas. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Bowl Season Stories podcast, a celebration of college football that breaks down the moments, the memories, and the magic of college football. Be sure to check out Mike Drop, another podcast powered by Tony Fay PR. Mike Drop pulls back the curtain on the larger-than-life sports scene here in North Texas. From its iconic teams, state-of-the-art venues, and headline-grabbing owners and athletes, we cover it all. Download Mike Drop today. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. Our next guest on the show is Executive Director of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in El Paso. And I will say he has the best background of any guest yet with the co-branding going on. Bernie Olivas, welcome to the show. Appreciate that background. Oh, it's good to be here. We're all in. We're all in here in El Paso. We, you know, we love the bowl season. We love our game. And, and have, thank you for having me on.
Bernie, the, the, uh, it seems like the theme of this show is uh, is Nick's friends. I had Pepper Johnson on uh, in the previous segment. Uh, while I've only been in my role uh, with Bowl Season for two years, you and I have been friends a long time. So it's uh, I'm really happy to be chatting with you on the show. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Well, again, thanks for inviting me. And you're right, we go back a long, long way. And if it, you helped you helped us along the way in, in getting where we are right now, which I think is, is a great bowl game that we have here in El Paso. And appreciate what you've done for us as well. Well, speaking of along the way, you've been with uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl for 20 years now. Tell us what are what are some of your personal highlights over that time? You know, every you know, I've been involved for 39 years. I started as a volunteer back in '83, and this I completed my 20th year as executive director. And there's a highlight every year. I mean, it's just a big thing for El Paso to have a, 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 the bowl game of our statue here. Uh, highlights all over the place, but obviously. Uh, you know, El Paso is like 92% Catholic and us getting Notre Dame to come to El Paso back in 2010 was probably the, might be the highlight of the bowl of the 88 years history of the bowl. Uh, I don't think anybody in El Paso ever thought that we could get the fight in Irish here. And uh, again, El Paso is like 92% Catholic and uh, we sold out when we made that announcement, the, the game was sold out in just a couple of hours and it's still the largest crowd to ever see an event at the Sun Bowl Stadium. Uh, and that was 11 years ago. So I guess you, you could put that at the top of the list. But having the, you know, the, the, the universities with such a great football traditions come, come in here year after year is, is a highlight. Like I said, every year is a highlight here in El Paso, for not just for the Sun Bowl, but for our city. Our city really embraces this game, and they have for 88 years. And, uh, uh, and like I said, every year is, is, is a different highlight and different memories that are made. Uh, in meeting all these coaches, these players, and to see them, you know, leave here as collegians. And, and, you know, we have several pro football Hall of Famers who have played in the Sun Bowl, and we keep track of all, of all those people. So lots of highlights. And, again, I've been uh, – I went to my first Sun Bowl game when I was 10 years old and haven't missed one since. So that's about 17 in a row, I think. You know, if you start back to when I was 10 years old to now, it's about 17, I think. Wow. <laughs> A few more than that. Wow. Well, we, we talk a lot on this show about the impact that, that every bowl game has on their community. But I, I honestly think that y your game really kind of sets the standard as far as that goal goes. And, and I think your longevity has a lot to do with it. You know, what's the symbols impact on El Paso? It's not just a bowl game. It's really a staple of your community. Talk about that, Bernie. You know, and you're absolutely right. And the support that we get from our, from our people here is, is tremendous. And, you know, El Paso sits kind of, I'd say, I'll say it, in the middle of nowhere. We are a long way from other large cities. The largest city, you know, the city that's the closest city to El Paso that's larger than El Paso is Phoenix, Arizona. And that's seven miles, seven hours away. So we are kind of isolated here, you know, in the corner of Texas. So, you know, getting some national exposure for the city during the Sun Bowl game does a tremendous amount of, of good for our city. And again, while... A lot of bowls depend on a lot of people to travel like as we do. Uh, we rely on our on our citizens to, to help us, uh, you know, keep this game going. And it, it is still, you know, the, the annual event that El Paso has that has the greatest economic impact on our city. Uh, El Paso has a lot of tremendous events that come in and go. But annually, you know, the, you know, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl has the largest economic impact to this city year after year after year. And we've been doing it for 88 years now. And of those 88, CBS has literally been broadcasting your game for 53 years. 
This will be the 54th. Last year was the first time it wasn't on CBS because unfortunately the game was canceled. Uh, what has that relationship meant to the Sun Bowl? You know, the first time they televised the game was 1968. And we were on a, a consecutive roll of, you know, 53 consecutive games. And of course, last year, I don't know if that breaks it. We didn't even have a game. But what they've done for El Paso, and, you know, every city that has a bowl game is tremendous. It's tremendous. But unfortunately, a lot of times, and I tell people when I, you know, when I get, when I get talks about some bowl, a lot of times when El Paso is the national news, it's usually not great news. Uh, and CBS does a tremendous job of highlighting not only the game, but our city to the entire nation. So for four hours, CBS, you know, does a lot of features on what the city's about and where we are and what we do. And it gives El Paso some great national positive attention. And I think that's what CBS has done more for us than anybody else could have done it. And they do it year after year after year. And, you know, they always send their A team and we've had everybody from, you know, Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall doing our game to Vern Lundquist to just about every huge name that's ever televised as that's ever done a, a, a college football has come to our city and they all do the same thing. Right now we have Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson as our, you know, as our, as our, uh, our talent on the game. And again, year after year, they do a tremendous job of promoting our city, which is one of the reasons bowl games is good, existed to begin with. So a very big part of our family. And I hope this, this, this relationship continues for year after year after year. Well, it seems like you, you've always had great partners, Bernie. You know, uh, Kellogg's is your current title sponsor. And they really kind of ingrained themselves in the, in the El Paso community right from the get-go. Talk about that a little bit. You know, we, I, I think we hit a grand slam when, when we got Kellogg's to, to sign in. And uh, and become the Tony the Tiger, the Tony the Tiger symbol. And there's and there's a reason why they wanted to get and wanted to get Tony the Tiger, uh, you know, part of this. Kellogg's has a has an initiative called Mission Tiger, and part of that part of that is that about sixty percent of middle schools in the country have lost their athletic program. So Mission Tiger is an initiative to try to raise money to get ath athletics back into middle schools. And they started the relationship by coming to El Paso and donating like $300,000 worth of sports equipment to the middle schools here in El Paso. That is tremendous. And that's what they do. Every box of, of, of uh, Frosted Flakes that is sold, some of that money goes to cover Mission Tiger and to help middle schools around the country. Since we did not have the game last year, you know, uh, they donated 1 million meals to our food bank, El Pasoans Fighting Hunger. Uh, and that, that was a tremendous boost to our city. We're not the most affluent city, I wouldn't call us in, in the country, but we got some tremendous people. And like every, other, like every other city in the country, everybody has homeless, they have people that are hungry, and they provided a million meals to our, to our, uh, to our food bank here, which is tremendous. So the relationship that we've begun and hope continue for a long time with Kellogg is great. They've been nothing but, but tremendous partners. And of course, Tony the Tiger is one of the most recognizable mascots, and you know, if not in this country, around the world. And uh, to have him parading, you know, up and down the sidelines at our game has been a tremendous boost to ourselves. When we make public appearances, he, obviously he is one of the most recognized, uh, you know, mascot icons in the country. So it's uh, we've been extremely lucky to, to land them, and uh, and I hope this relationship goes on for many, many, many years. Now, you're a former chair of the bowl season executive committee. Then it was known as the Football Bowl Association. You're still very involved, very familiar with the overall goals we're trying to accomplish. From your view, how do you see 
a strong bowl season organization benefiting the Sun Bowl and, and all of the bowl games? You know, you know, there's 43 of us out there, and obviously, as a group, you can get a lot more accomplished than individual than, than you can individually. And I think us coming together as as a bowl season and promoting college football as a whole rather than individually as, can do nothing but help all of us, not just the Sun Bowl, but all of us. And I think what uh, what you have done to, to bring us together and what you know, Ride Waters did before you know your predecessor. To bring, us, to, to, to bring us together has been tremendous. I've talked to you before about that word that I hate, uh, and that's meaningless. And I hate when bowl, you know, a lot of the focus has now been on the, on the playoffs. And I think the media sometimes forgets that there are other, there's 40 other bowls out there that are trying to put some, some together, not only for their cities, but also for the college athletes, for the student athletes that participate in these bowls. And a lot of times, you know, we're, Bowls like us are referred to as meaningless bowls. You know, there is no such thing as a meaningless bowl. They all are bowls mean something to, to a lot of people, including student athletes, the universities, the communities, and everybody who's involved, involved in, in college football. And I think bowl season has brought us all together and we're all working, working for the same cause, which is a celebration of college football. And uh, again, it, it, it's been, a, it, it, it's, it's been great to be part of a whole organization and being part of the executive committee and, and being part of that and, and working with some of the other executives, directors of other bowl games has been not only, not only a lot of fun, but educational. You learn a lot of things from other bowl, bowls. And again, as a group, we can accomplish a lot more than, than we used to do it individually. So uh, a great organization. And I just hope it continues to grow and grow and, and get bigger and bigger as, as, the, as the years go by. Well, Bernie, you, you know, I agree with everything you just said, uh, and, and uh, you're probably, uh, you know, I say it over and over, but I'm going to say it again. So the uh, listeners uh, can hear it, you know, the college football's postseason, I think is the greatest postseason in all of sports. And there's two components to it. There's the playoff component. That's, that's been so good for the game, but then there's also bowl season. There's 130 teams that play uh, FBS college football. Uh, I don't care if the, if the playoff goes to eight or 12, you know, that's not enough of a postseason to reward all the deserving teams. And to your point, and I, we just heard Pepper talk about it earlier in the show, you know, those bowl game experiences are a reward for a great season and provide lifelong memories for these guys, especially the seniors, Bernie, how many seniors have you had play in your game? And they've been playing football since they were five years old. And that's the last football game they ever play in their life. Is there, I don't know if there's anything more meaningful to them at that point in their life. hundred uh, percent. Again, they might never put on a helmet again, but the last memory is going to a bowl game, going to a, probably a community that they might not have ever been to, or might not have even gotten to as adults. And this gives them the opportunity to, to visit other places in the country. And again, it's, it's, yes, it's great for the cities and it's great for, and it's great for, for the bowl games but it's a greater for the student athletes that play in these games and, you know, work out day, for, you know, for, for months for them to culminate in a city, which that's going to treat them just have a good time at, at, at these cities and enjoy the final, like you said, as, as you said, you know, the fi- probably the final game they're going to play because the very few of them make it to the, to the next level, but at least they get a, they get to finish off their football careers, you know, in grand style. And that's what the bowl season brings to these, to these student athletes as well as to the cities and communities and everybody that works the bowl games. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Last question for you, Bernie, uh, any predictions who's going to play in this year's Tony, the tiger sun bowl. 
oh, what <laughs> this year is the hardest year that I've ever seen because every college football has been a crazy year this year. I mean, you just not you cannot predict anybody. So right now, when we're looking at possible teams that come to the Sun Bowl, we still have about eight teams that are possible from one conference and about eight teams from the other conference. It's been it's been fun to watch, and unfortunately, I only get to watch about four games at a time at home on TV. I wish I had I wish I had one of those walls where I could see them all. But it's a uh, college football is a great, it's the greatest sport around right now, and 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 as you said, it, it's this is. Uh, it's been a crazy year, and I hope it continues. But at the end of the day, we're all going to have some good teams playing in our bowl games, and uh, and you know during the holiday season, how what you know what better way to spend the holiday season than to watch college football? It's it's been awesome. I couldn't agree more. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is scheduled for Friday, December thirty first at twelve p.m. Eastern Time in El Paso, Texas. The game will be broadcast for the fifty fourth year on CBS. Bernie, thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck this year. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you all. And again, let's uh, let's go bowl season. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome former USC Trojan and NFL linebacker Brian Cushing. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And always, uh, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at bowl season. Thanks for listening. Ah!